0: Hello, and welcome to Cross Point Church's podcast. We are here to reveal God in everyday ways that help people like you. Whether you are a Christian or not, we believe that God is not far from any one of us and he wants to be found. You don't have to look a certain way or have it all together to become one of us. We don't have it all together either. But we do have hope in the one who does. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who they were or what they had done. We want to be just like that. If you want to connect with us? Just stay after the message. And we'll tell you how. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Andrew Goth. If I don't know you, um, in fact, yeah. <laughs> as people walk in, I'm asking some of the AV booth people. I'm like, who is that? Like, I don't think I know them. And they're like, um, I actually don't either. They're new. Fantastic. But if I don't know you, I would love to know you. So, Kevin, introduce yourself to me. Um, I'm three months in. I think. I think we're, we're doing good. I know a lot of you, uh, but there are definitely still gaps and holes in my knowledge uh, when I look at people's faces. So I'd love to know you. Uh, but I am uh, one of the pastors here, uh, one of the elders here at Cross Point Church, and it is a privilege and honor for me to bring you the word of the Lord this morning. And I love that song right before the sermon here, Build My Life, and we we, we don't think it's necessary to like match every song we sing to like the sermon topic, um, but the one before is nice, and then the one after we really like as a response song right, to what we've just learned about from the Word. And so, build my life, that idea, build my life on your love. You are my firm foundation. Right? Like that is kind of the meat of what we're talking about today is what, is, what does that mean, like, to build our life? On grass, we talk about that. We use some of these phrases in Christianity, right? Like, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Man, that's a great, that sounds really great. Like, what does that mean? Like, how do I do that? I don't really feel the joy of the Lord today, right? There are days like that, right? M- Mama said there'd be days like that where I do not feel the joy of the Lord, right? So, what does it mean to build our life on Him, to become? like Jesus, I say this phrase a lot, right? To be transformed into the image of Christ. Like that is our goal. That's, a, that's Our mission is to preach him, make him known, and become like him, right? So how do we do that? It's a great sentiment, but without the foundation and the meat of how we accomplish that and how we move towards that and move down this trail of sanctification, throughout life, which is becoming more and more like Christ. That's what that means, right? Getting the sin more and more out of us and getting the spirit more and more into us, right? So that's what we're talking about today, the joy of spiritual disciplines. Who loves a good discipline in their life? It's about what I thought. Right? Where heart and habit meet. First Corinthians 9 is going to be our primary text today that we're going to be looking at. Ooh, man, I'm excited about this. You can turn there if you want. We're going to have it on the screen as well. I'm going to read this for us. i like to read from the actual word. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. The, the, the Kind of the primary uh, uh, thought, if you will, that we're running with today is kind of in the last few verses. But I think it's so important to get the setup of what's come before it, Right? Context, context, context. One of my favorite theologians says, never read a Bible verse. Right? Because you read what's before it, you read what's after it, to know what it means in the context of what the author is trying to say. In this case, Paul to the church in Corinth. Chapter 9, starting in verse 19. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people, to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Here it is. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadowboxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's a long passage. and We're going to break that down a little bit. Tim, what do you think? Should I switch over? Yeah, he's saying yes, absolutely. All right. Check one. Can you hear me? That's tough because I was just told. Actually, I think my wife was asked for recently if we like tied Andrew's hands behind his back, could he talk? And the answer is no. So we'll see how well I do one-handed. <laughs> That's good. Uh, let me pray, and then we're going to dive into this a little more, Father. Just thank you for your word, the power that it brings into our lives. I, <laughs> Lord, I pray for myself. I am I'm the first one to want to try to add my own passion and power to this, and it needs none of that. Your word is sufficient, both in edification and training to us and how we do this life to live in relationship with you through the blood of your son, Jesus. So I pray that it speaks to us this morning, that all the thoughts that are of me and my, my things would be forgotten and hopefully not even said, and that your word would uh, be channeled through me, through the Spirit, uh, to make us into that image of your son. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So that was a long passage, right? So kind of the end of it is where we're going to really focus on all athletes are disciplined in their training they do it to win a prize so i run with purpose in every step i'm not just shadow boxing you know what shadow boxing is right punching nobody punching the air it's like i'm i'm not doing this just to like do it i'm doing this for a purpose with a mission right otherwise Oh, I, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I discipline my body like an athlete. Has anybody ever played sports in here? Yes, many of you have. We're going to get to that in just a second. First, I want to read a summary statement, kind of, kind of the concise look at what we should take away from this passage, right? So you can write this down in the kind of blank space. That's why we have that in the bold ones coming back. You can take, take all the notes, right? That's what pastors love is when people write ferociously. So write this down. It's the only thing you take out of this. I want to tell you it at the beginning so you kind of know where we're going. As followers of Christ, we should create habits of spiritual disciplines in order to fill our hearts with the joy of God and to qualify ourselves to preach the gospel with authority. So we create habits of spiritual discipline to fill our hearts with the joy of God and to qualify ourselves to preach the gospel with authority. That's what Paul is saying here, right? So um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is from a book. It's one of my favorite books. It's called "The Celebration of Discipline." Right? That's a fun title, right? Celebrate discipline. It's by a guy named Richard Foster. I highly recommend it. Um, so if you have any questions about a lot of what we're doing, like, I'll buy it for you. You just let me know, right? Celebration of discipline, very, very good. We're going to be looking at uh, a little later something that he says out of his book. But that's kind of where we're uh, using some of the ideas uh, fleshed out from this passage of Scripture. So first, kind of that first part of that summary statement. We create habits of spiritual discipline to fill our hearts with the joy of God. Right? So discipline kind of has this, can have this negative context, right? We kind of joked about that early in the sermon here. The idea of discipline, certainly when it comes to uh, our kids disciplining them, us being disciplined ourselves, not a pleasant thought, not something we enjoy going through, right? When I think of discipline, uh, it takes me right back to high school soccer. Who, man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I feel about running. I don't like it right? Even when I was in, like, pristine physical condition in high school, like, I hated to run, right? Go run three miles to warm up. I'm like, no, that sounds just awful, right? But I'll play soccer till I drop. Like, I still will, right? Which is a lot less time than I used to be able to, right? I'll play. Give me something, I'll go play it. But make me, like, train and do the stuff? Like, no, no thank you. Like, weightlifting? No thank you, right? So for me, the idea of Discipline certainly has kind of this negative taste in my mouth from my past and things that I've experienced with that word. But as we all know, it's only through the discipline of training and preparing my mind and my body that I'm able to, that I was able to play against other players who were at that level, right? Were I to not train, I wouldn't stand a chance, right? <laughs> For some reason, I got sucked into the YouTube of Vortex last week, as we all oh, often do, right? Their stinking algorithm is really good. and it puts those videos right there that you're like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that. Perfect. And I got sucked into this thing of um, MMA fighters, professional fighters, like getting into fights with guys like on the street who think they're MMA fighters. All right. How do you think that goes for the guys that are not MMA fighters? Yeah, real bad. I want you to know. It's over in about three seconds. Because these guys have trained their whole lives. Like, their body is their temple, pristine, physical condition training techniques. They could do this in their sleep, right? And to get someone who has not trained to challenge them to do a fight, think they could do it? I mean, it's game over real, real fast. So we see the benefits of discipline and the, necess- the need for it, the necessity of it, and yet discipline in the spiritual realm can trigger many of us to think of another term that has no place in Christianity, kind of a word association, discipline, like legalism, right? And legalism, right, this list of to-dos and to-don'ts. It's check boxes of rights and wrongs to present to Christ, saying, see, Jesus, look how good I was and how not bad I was. So discipline can often be confused with legalism. And again, legalism has no place in Christianity. Because I want you to know, whew, sidebar, when you get to heaven, you stand before the throne of Christ, and he says, well, or Peter, who, I, don't know, I don't know if Peter's going to be at the gates, whoever's there. Right? Why, why, should, why should you be coming in? And if your answer is, did you see my Sunday school attendance?'" Did you see how I read the scripture every week? Did you see kind of check marked at the bottom of each column? I Make sure I read all the highlights in my Bible, Jesus. Look at the highlights. Don't mishear me. Those things aren't wrong. Be in Sunday school, be in church, read your scripture, highlight it, note it up. But if you present that before the throne as your justification, he's going to say, I never knew you. It's big, right? To the, through the blood of his son alone, it's because of the name of Jesus and I know him that we are into heaven. Yeah, amen, right? So that is legalism, is saying I'm relying on something other than Jesus to be right before God. That is not discipline. I want you to know those things are very different, Okay. And I think one of the reasons that we often think of those two things kind of simultaneously, legalism and discipline, is because of the stinking Pharisees, right? When you read Scripture, Pharisees are just the worst, aren't they? But they get a bad rap because they had good intentions, right? So back 400 years before Christ, the, the Israelites, the Jews, were getting back from this long exile in Babylon, right? They were there for 70 years, outcast. their home was destroyed, and God said, you have to go somewhere else because you weren't following my law. One of the big things they weren't keeping was the Sabbath. Right? They didn't let the land rest. They didn't rest. God said, okay, you're going to go away for 70 years to give my land a chance to rest. and You're going to learn some things, and I'm going to bring you back. Right? So when they got back, do you think they ever, ever, ever wanted to do that again? No, they did not. So the Pharisees, the Levites, the priests... So we are going to follow this to a T, right? We are not going to mess up. We're going to follow the law. Uh, not only that, but we're going to look at this. We're going to decide what kind of this verse means and this law and command means, and we're going to kind of flesh it out and create some more laws based off that law. right? And we're going to follow those. And actually, they created a whole book that was collected called the Mishnah. And What was the other one? The I lost it, The Gemara. And these were kind of, combined into this thing called the Talmud, which any good Jew knew, which was thousands, thousands of other rules and laws based on the 613 laws in the Old Testament. So they took what God gave them. expanded it and made it this unbelievable burden for the Jewish people, right? Down to how many steps you can take on the Sabbath. If you take a step over this amount of steps, you are sinning before the eyes of the Lord. You need to go off for a sacrifice and make yourself holy. Right? Thousands of these kinds of things. So when Jesus says later, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, Ooh, those are powerful words to those people. Because the burden and the yoke that the Pharisee had created to place on them was not easy. And it was not light. And so it created this religion of legalism of the heart being taken out of this the people aspect being completely taken out of this and it became about check boxes it became about making sure you do this and you don't do that accomplish this abstain from that and you will be right with the lord good intentions right bad flushing out and so the pharisees Disciplined themselves to follow the law perfectly. At least that was their goal. But it removed all heart from the equation and the purpose evident. Therein lies the difference between legalism legalism and discipline. We do not use discipline to attain a legalistic standing before Christ. We use spiritual disciplines through which to receive the grace of God. To recognize more and more that it's not through our own actions, but through the actions of our Savior that we are justified. That through the disciplines of prayer, of study, meditation, Sabbath, fasting, solitude, service, confession, worship, and more, we do not do these things to fill up check boxes for Christ to look at and be proud of us. Through these, we fill up our hearts with joy of and our reliance on the Lord, becoming more like him through these disciplines and growing in our qualification to be his witness in the world. We don't do these to look good to God. and We don't do them to look good to man. We do them because these disciplines are the avenues through which God speaks to us and transforms us into the image of his Son. Which leads into our second point, that we create these habits of spiritual discipline to qualify ourselves to preach the gospel with authority. That's a big statement. We're going to really unpack it here, okay? So I want to be very clear and, like, don't hear this out of what I just said, right? That we do these spiritual disciplines to qualify ourselves to preach the gospel, I want you to know that if you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, 10 years, one year, one day, one minute, you are qualified to preach the gospel. Like hear that. Like the world needs to know what you know and what you have come to believe, Right, that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, is the Son of God, was raised on the third day, And it's coming again. If you believe that, that Jesus is Lord, you preach the gospel, right? So I'm gonna dive in a little bit. Don't mishear me, okay? Agreed? Deal? I need to hear you say deal or I don't know. Deal? Fantastic. Just making sure. I'm gonna get some emails later for sure. What I mean and what Paul means when he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself be disqualified, I myself, is that he does not want to be seen as a hypocrite, as someone who does not practice the things that he preaches, that his lifestyle might disqualify him from being authentic and believable in the words that he's preaching. One of my favorite songs and albums uh, or artists back in the 90s. DC Talk, yes. First song I ever learned on guitar It's called What If I Stumble. Hey, what if, yes, love that. What if I stumble, what if I fall, what if I lose my step and make fools of us all. And the, the kind of the opening to that song, I don't know, it's a professor type voice, I don't know who they got to do it, but it's just this recording of this guy saying, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. People who profess things with their tongues and deny it by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That's powerful stuff, right? So, uh, to be clear, for example, if someone were to come up to you and ask you, How do you reconcile a Trinitarian view of the Godhead while Scripture clearly shows the three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit in dialogue and relationship with one another? I want you to know a very fine and appropriate answer is for you to say, you know, I don't know that answer, but let's go find out together, right? However, if a new believer asks you, how should I pray? And your answer is, you know, I don't pray a whole lot. I don't really know. Or if a new believer asks you, well, where should I start reading in Scripture? And your answer is, I don't actually read Scripture a whole lot. I don't, I don't really know a good spot to start. Or if a new believer asks you, how do I get involved in serving? And you say, well, I don't really serve. Like, let me take you to the pastor. You've got a lot of crazy questions. He'll, he'll know the answer, If we ourselves don't practice these things that we preach, we are hypocrites and we disqualify ourselves from being authentic, believable sharers of the gospel. Not only that, but if we don't discipline our bodies, our minds towards the spiritual disciplines and create habits that will shape us into the image of Christ, we are telling Christ that we don't need those things that he gave us that will connect us with him and grow us in him, but that we can do it on our own. That we personally have the strength, the stamina, the ability to handle sin on our own and to transform ourselves into his image, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do a little quote from Richard Foster here. So good, the way he says it in his book, Celebration of Discipline. Our ordinary method of dealing with ingrained sin is to launch a frontal attack. We rely on our willpower and determination, whatever may be the issue for us anger, fear, bitterness, gluttony, pride, lust, substance abuse. We determine never to do it again. We pray against it, fight against it, we set our own will against it. But the struggle is in vain. And we find ourselves once again morally bankrupt. Or worse yet, so very proud of our external righteousness if we temporarily succeed. And he goes on to say, When we finally despair of gaining inner transformation through our own power and will and determination, only then are we open to a wonderful new realization. Inner righteousness... It's a gift from God to be graciously received. The needed change within us is God's work, not ours. The demand is for an inside job, and only God can work from the inside. God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. They allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. We build and enact these habits so that they can transform us into the image of Jesus and so that we can be his authentic witnesses in the world living out what we're practicing in private. I want to put that summary statement back on the screen for a second. As followers of Christ, we should create habits of spiritual disciplines in order to fill our hearts with the joy of God and to qualify ourselves to preach the gospel with authority. And while following Christ is hopefully a joy and privilege most days for you, if it's not, come talk to me. Well, hopefully that is the norm we have ebbs and flows of the Christian life, do we not? Right? Mama said there would be days like this. And we don't feel that passion, that fire every day. Sometimes we get up in a day and feel like it's drudgery. As one of my favorite authors puts it, I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. Right? Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. You will not always feel on fire for the Lord. There will be valleys. David faced this many times, and he wrote the famous line in Psalm 22 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While God had not forsaken David, nor did he forsake Christ on the cross, David felt forsaken and distant from God. I don't need you to raise your hands, but how many of you can relate to that? <laughs> If you can't relate to that, I don't know that we're doing the walk right, right? Because there are ebbs and flows. This happens to all of us. And in the opposite, most of our spiritual lives don't reside on the mountaintop, right? We, we, we call them um, uh, campfire night feelings, right? Whew. Around the fire at camp, I mean, there's no more vulnerable place than that, right? And then you go home and you're like, ooh, that was a mountaintop. I want that all the time. If you spend your time chasing that, we don't live there. We don't live on the mountaintop. In fact, most of Christianity, day in and day out, is the walking in between, right? right? It's just, just going gently down the path with the Spirit. And that's why the forming of habits of spiritual disciplines is so incredibly important. Discipline, by definition, is about doing something no matter what you're feeling, It's not about how we wake up every day and how we feel. It's about doing this habit regardless. It's about training ourselves to be obedient to the calling of Christ, no matter what the day holds and no matter what mood we're in. That we wake up every day and say, today I'm all in, no matter what. For when we discipline ourselves well, our hearts will be filled with the joy and strength that comes from the Lord and not ourselves. When we discipline ourselves well, we will be ready to fight the spiritual battles that will happen. And we will be a true testimony to the good work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Because it is a battle, right? Right? Like scripture speaks to this all the time by putting on the spiritual armor of God. That the prince of darkness, Satan, the prince of this world is roaming like a lion, seeking to kill, destroy Lead people away from God, right? And if you don't believe that, I don't think we're reading scripture, right? It is a battle that we are called to fight in. If we are not grounded in the habits and patterns of daily following Christ in these ways, we will not be ready when the battle is on our doorstep. But when we are obedient and following God in these habits, look out. Because he will do, he will fill your heart with his grace and do infinitely more through you than you could ever imagine. And the more you do these habits, the more you learn <laughs> how much it's his strength and not ours, right? Kind of that old Adam, like the more you know about something, the more you know you don't know, right? <laughs> That's how I feel every time I read the Bible, right? Whew, there's a lot here I don't know. The more and more I rely on him and lean in him in these spiritual disciplines, the more I'm convinced and to realize it is through his power and strength alone that when I am weakest, he is strongest, right? His power through us. So we're going to talk briefly now about these disciplines, very, very briefly. Then we're going to actually practice one today. I'm really excited about this. So even if you're completely unsure of how to start these disciplines, just start. Just do them. There's no right or wrong way. There's no wrong way to start. All God asks of you is that you say yes, right? You could read this book, Celebration of Discipline. You could talk with a pastor and elder, talk with someone who's further down the sanctification trail than you if you're unsure of how to get rolling in some of these. And some of you might do some of these. You might, you might read your Bible daily. You might pray with your wife or your kids or by yourself daily. But maybe your time of confession hasn't seen the light of day in three years, or maybe you haven't served in quite a while. Or maybe solitude with the Lord is something you never practice, right? So we're gonna put this list up here in just a second. I encourage you to write them down and then I encourage you to think through what, what are one, right? I'm not asking you to take all 11 of those and say, all right, tomorrow, prayer, meditation, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude. <laughs> right? Write these down. Pick a couple of these. You're like, I, I don't do these. These are not disciplines that I enact in my own life. And see what God can do through you in them. And to be clear, each of these disciplines could and should be its own sermon, right? There's so much to unpack with each of these, so I'm really not going to go through them. But I want to show them to you so that you can start saying yes to being disciplined and following the Lord in these ways. Prayer. Meditation. Real fast, I will say something about that, because... I've heard a lot of pushback about meditation, right? What we're not talking about is the emptying of our mind to reach a state of not thinking about anything. Like that's not the kind of meditation we're talking about. And that's not the kind of meditation Scripture talks about. We are talking about reading a piece of Scripture, not diving into a word study, because study is a, a separate thing, right? We're talking about marinating. On a psalms that David wrote letting it repeat over and over in your mind right? meditating just dwelling on this thing and letting it just soak in you Like that is the act of meditation and what it speaks to you about the Lord so in our meditation it's actually filling your mind with scripture and letting it sit and resonate there fasting, study simplicity, solitude submission, <laughs> that's a good one service, confession Worship and celebration. I like that his final chapter, the title of the book is The Celebration of Discipline, and the final chapter is The Discipline of Celebration. And I think that's one we don't do often enough. Spending time to celebrate accomplishments, the good things God has done in our life and in his kingdom. These are the habits, right? And again, I I wanted to spend the bulk of the sermon today Convincing you and talking about why and why Scripture says we should be doing these things. And there's plenty of scriptural references to back up all of these. Come and talk to me about it. These are the habits that we should be enacting in our life. I do want to spend just a few minutes practicing one of these today, corporately. One that we may not readily go to or choose in our everyday habits. And it's the practice of confession. So if you guys want to start a line, we're going to come, everybody come up, I'll hand you the mic. That's a terrible idea. That being said, if the Lord moves you to want to corporally confess, I'm not going to stand in the way of the Spirit. But I am going to read a statement here in a minute. I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. In, in just a minute, not yet. You can repeat this statement in your mind and heart, or you can say your own to the Lord. You don't have to use this. Offering to God a confession of sins against him. I want to talk just briefly about confession and why we're doing this, why this discipline is so important. Right? And to be very clear, confessing, confessing these sins isn't what makes you right with God. Right, right now, what we're doing, the regular act of confession you don't become renewed right with God every time you do this. Like, that's not what this is about, right? It's believing in Jesus, the Son of God, who died for these sins as the payment. To, that's what makes you right with God, right? So we're all very clear. The act of confession as practiced in certain churches and denominations is often about absolving and cleansing you of your sin. And that if you don't regularly confess, you're not regularly forgiven by the Lord, right? That's not what Scripture teaches that is, that is not biblical that is, we do this act of confession for many many reasons and we're going to talk about that today firstly we practice a regular act of confession to understand the seriousness of our sins by admitting them hopefully at a later time when you do this privately out loud, praying out loud to the all knowing, all powerful all just, all love and grace filled creator of you when you put God in his proper context and then you tell him, here's how I didn't live how you wanted me to live, it gets real serious, real fast, right? It's no small thing to commit a offense against this God and to force yourself to speak it to him helps to ensure we know the severity of committing these sins. Second, we confess to God, especially in private, we are admitting to God that we, we made these choices of our own volition. Right? No one else made us choose sin. We did it freely and of our own accord. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Right? That we broke relationship with God the Almighty. Finally, we confess sins to show God that there is nothing in my life that I want to keep hidden from him. I want, to be, I want him to be the Lord over every area. Though belief in Jesus rectifies our relationship with God the moment that we accept him, our inability to admit all areas of sin and failure in our life keep him at a distance and communicate to him that, in fact, we do not want him to be Lord over all of our life. When we confess, we freely give him full authority over every area. He is either the Lord of all or he is not the Lord of all. Through the act of confession, we help keep it that he is the Lord of all. Now, if this sounds intense and highly personal, it is. Confession is a gift the Lord gave us to be totally free in him. And without confessing to him, we limit the freedom he wants to give us. And to be clear, right, God knows anyway. We're not... (coughs) We're not giving God new information about our lives and our choices, right? If you know your child made a mistake and messed up, them coming to tell you about it is not about enlightening you to their behavior. We know their sinful, dirty hearts very well. It is about them making that relationship right with you and being honest in every area of their life. So with all this in mind, we're going to enter into a time of confession. We're going to practice this discipline right now. I'm actually going to invite the band up to get ready to play a final song, a response song, after we do this together. You can repeat this statement after me in your mind. Or you can say, say your own. That is totally fine. We're going to give you some time to confess before the Lord. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and lean into this. Father, I confess to you, the Almighty Lord, ruler and creator of the universe, that I have committed sins against you. to give you just a minute. I want you to confess now to the Lord in your mind and your heart those things that you need to. Lord, while I know that you have already forgiven me through the blood of your Son, and you do not want me to live in guilt and shame, I want our relationship to be free and intimate. And I know that holding anything back from you will damage that. If there is any area of my life that I am holding back from you unknowingly or keeping hidden, please reveal it to me so that I can give you all of me. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I invite you to stand and sing this perfectly matched song. Lord, I come, I confess. That we hold nothing back from the Lord in our lives, that we give Him all of us. Hey, thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were encouraged, and we'd like to personally invite you to attend one of our services here at Cross Point Church. We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Yalles. Our people are warm and welcoming. And we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus together. You can learn more about us at crosspointwestallis.com, where you'll find more episodes of our podcast. You can watch past services on our YouTube channel, and we live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, thank you for listening to Crosspoint Church.